Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 27th of December 2022 when you are seeing this on the show today, getting you ready for a massive week in Big 12 Bowls. Seven Big 12 Bowl games coming up this week. And also, this is the start of the conference season for the Big 12 on the basketball side. Men's basketball on Saturday, five Big 12 games. So it's kind of getting you all primed and ready for what is a huge week in the Big 12 Conference. All that and more coming up on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe. The goal was to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of December, we are less than 50 away right now. So need your all's help. If you all have not subscribed to Locked On Big 12 just yet, please do so. It will mean a lot to us if you all could do that and help us get over that 3K mark. Like the video as well. When you guys like the videos, it helps it get out to more people so more folks can also subscribe. If you guys can't watch us on YouTube because you're on the go, you guys can find us any of the places you get your podcast. So Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those places. You can follow us on Twitter at LOBig12, and you guys can find me at JoshNeighbors underscore. Uh, also, check out our show from Monday, uh, yesterday on the 26th. Went over, you know, the state of Big 12 quarterbacks as we head into next season. That kind of ties into today uh, because still the transfer portal is going, still there is recruiting happening. And now we're going to hit all of our Big 12 bowl games, uh, or you know, the ones besides the Baylor game. And then we've got, uh, you know, we've got the Big 12 basketball coming up, obviously in the same day as the Sugar Bowl for Kansas State and as the college football playoff that is going to happen on, uh, I guess, was it Saturday? So whatever December 31st is, right? Uh, that is when we're doing, yeah, New Year's Eve is Saturday. That is when the two semifinal games are going to happen as well, and obviously one of them does feature a Big 12 school as TCU takes on Michigan. So uh, that's kind of the start of this. Strap in, folks. Just like get ready for this week because there is a Big 12 bowl game on Tuesday, Oklahoma State and Wisconsin, which is today when you guys are seeing this. Wednesday, there are two games, Kansas and Arkansas, and then Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Thursday, there are two games, OU and Texas. Saturday, there are two games, Alabama and T or excuse me, Kansas State plays Alabama, TCU plays Michigan. So that's that's where we begin with all of this. Uh, you know, there is this weird lull period now between the end of the college football season and now when the bowl games really crank up. Yeah, there have been some some decent matchups on the bowl side, but like this is the week where you begin to see a lot of the power five schools, you know, all of their games kind of begin to happen, uh, you know, simultaneously, right? That, that's kind of where we are on the bowl schedule, which is very, very exciting in my opinion. Uh, you know, on Tuesday, you're getting a four bowl game slate that's capped off at the end of the day, 10-15, the guaranteed rate bowl. Um, and it's exciting, obviously. I think one thing we have to do with all these is put them into context, right? What do these bowl games mean? for all of these schools and who has kind of the most to gain from these bowl games. I'll, I'll tell you what Baylor, you know, whenever Baylor or uh, whenever you play a service Academy in a bowl game, like Baylor did, it's very, it's very difficult to prep for the triple. It's not a lot of fun in the lead up. 
and Baylor was dealing with some serious roster turnover stuff plus recruiting stuff. It was a cold game. It was a weird game, but I'll tell you what, it, it, it's going to leave a bad taste in Baylor fans' mouths the way that the season ended. And I, I think that's something that we have to track as we're kind of going through all of these games is, you know, what is there to gain from a win? But like, more importantly, what does a loss do? What does the taste in your mouth after a loss mean? Uh, and I think there are certain places, you know, let's just take Oklahoma, for example. We'll talk about them more in a second. But OU, like, what does a six and seven season mean for the Oklahoma Sooners? What does a losing year mean for Brent Venables in year number one? For Kansas, what does a winning season mean for them? And what was this fantastic season? You know, it, it could end for them like a six and seven year. And it felt like it was much better the year than that. Uh, so I think seven and six feels much more preferable to them than six and seven in terms of momentum and where you are. There's already momentum for, for KU, but even more. Joey McGuire's Texas Tech can get to eight and five, right? We'll, we'll talk about them in a second. But kind of being mindful of those, of those things. And let's start with that Wisconsin-Oklahoma State game, right? Uh, both of these schools are ones that are going through transition. Now, they're doing it in different ways. Wisconsin is losing their head coach or lost their head coach already. Uh, you know, they fired Paul Christ earlier in the year. And then things didn't work out for them with the interim. And then now they're in a spot where they have hired Luke Fickle uh, and he is kind of changing things and they're going to try, you know, adjust some stuff as they go forward. And he will not be obviously captaining the ship during this bowl game for Oklahoma state. The transition has come really through the roster and the transfer portal. There has been a whole lot of turnover for this Oklahoma state program specifically right now with that roster. And they're trying to figure out, trying to get some stability right now. Uh, and this is going to be, you know, uh, from everything that we've heard, a bit more of a skeleton crew for Oklahoma State when it comes to who's playing in the bowl game, right? And a bunch of guys jump in the portal. They've hit the portal pretty hard to get some new guys. Um, and, you know, obviously none of those guys will be playing just yet. So there is that factor to look at for Oklahoma State. Uh, and when you consider all those things, yeah, they can end the year on, on the right note. But this year for them already feels like a sunk cost. I'll tell you what, though, this team ends up at eight and five after, and that's like a really down year in Stillwater. The one thing it will do, and I guess seven and six, either way, it kind of does this, but eight and five would really highlight this because no matter what, this was a down season for a team that at one point was a top 10 team. And I'm not sure if they were a top 10 caliber team, but they were, they were winning and they were, you know, they were being led by a quarterback who looked like he was a star player. And I, I think was a star player in Spencer Sanders. And he was carrying that team and they were winning football games. And, excuse me, that, that TCU game, a real inflection point for their season. Um, I actually think that, you know, if you want to look for a silver lining, no matter what happens, it's a down season, but no matter what happens means that this could be an eight and five football team. And once again, it could highlight what a terrific job Mike, Mike Gundy has done with that program. And I thought this year was one of the, you know, uh, and there've been very few of these, but I thought this year was one of the poor coaching jobs he did all the way around. And when you consider that, and when you look forward, you think, all right, you know, he's been able to adjust a little bit recently. Can he adjust once again? Can he you know, be the guy who uses the portal, right? We used to think of Mike Gundy, offense flair. Well, they won, uh, they went to the Big 12 championship a couple of years ago. And what they do it off of running the football, timely throws from Spencer Sanders, and they played some awesome defense. So Mike Gundy, can he adapt now in a different way? Portal time, can they? can he adapt with that? I still think he's the best coach in the Big 12, in my opinion, in the new Big 12. You know, I know they bring in Gus Malzahn. They bring in Dana Holgerson. They bring in Kalani Sataki. They bring in Scott Satterfield. You introduce that crop, 
I still don't think it matters. I still think Mike Gundy, off of what he has built, the track record, you have to consider him as the best coach in the Big 12 because of the sustained success at one place, and that place being Stillwater, Oklahoma, and that place being Oklahoma State. Hey, everyone, quick word from our sponsors today on the show. We are brought to you all by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. College bowl season really ramps up this week, as does college hoops. Two more weeks left in the NFL season. Club soccer is back. The NBA is going on. NHL is happening as well. They've got it all at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, they've got those too. BetOnline has got you covered for everything. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting info. Head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Uh, So, you know, what's the line for them? Not much, just kind of highlighting what is going on there. Um, Moving forward then to your Wednesday games. KU and Arkansas, 530, Liberty Bowl. Um, That game, you know, revisiting what we mentioned with KU, what we can talk about with this game is it should be a celebration of what Kansas has accomplished this year. Despite the fact that, you know, Jalen Daniels goes down in that TCU game, uh, I mean, they this team won six games. They were ranked at one point. They were tooth and nail to the finish line with uh, with K with TCU's going to the college football playoff, and that was the back quarterback in. And the whole point of what I'm trying to say here is this program has begun to build the depth necessary to compete. So many teams in this league this year suffered because they did not have a backup plan at quarterback. Oklahoma is a good example. Oklahoma State, another example. Some teams thrived, and they did. TCU, good example. And look, like KU thriving, they didn't win a ton of games, uh, obviously, Jason Bean, but they they were in all of these football games with a backup quarterback, and and, and he played pretty well, right? Go back and think about, uh, you know, the Oklahoma game. Like, they made that thing somewhat competitive. The Baylor game, they were within a score in the fourth quarter, right? That was, uh, you know, they were able to do that. The, the Texas Tech game was was really close there for a while. I, I know KU and Kansas State, things didn't go well, but they were trying to reintroduce Jalen Daniels, and I don't think he was at 100%. I'm actually not sure, kind of in retrospect, if that was the best course for them just trying to win. Jalen Daniels overall, I think, a better quarterback than Jason Bean, but Jason Bean at that point healthier, comfort level a bit higher than trying to reintroduce Daniels after that, what was it, month-long gap basically where we did not see him play. And, um, th- you know, that that's the one thing that was like they lost a quarterback. They got pretty beat up there, and that was where their, their, their defense, you know, uh, they didn't lose a ton of guys, but it felt like they are just having issues. Right, Daniel Highshaw goes out for them on offense, uh, you know, having to deal with that. And so this team – Starting to build that depth. I know the recruiting wasn't excellent, but they're going to have a chance to get some guys in the portal. It's a more attractive place. Obviously, they're investing in the facilities now. And so this is a celebration. They're going to go play at Liberty Bowl, and I think they got a chance you know, to, to beat this Arkansas team that is trying to figure some things out with their roster moving forward. Uh, you kind of like Arkansas, you know, physically the matchup. But look, you know, Kansas has playmakers in the backfield, obviously. I mean, I know we like KJ Jefferson, but you know, if Jalen Daniels is fully healthy, ready to go, You'll take that full month of action, uh, you know, full month of prep with Devin Neal back there. You feel pretty good about that. That backfield going up against this Arkansas team and obviously a good core wide receivers as well for KU. So Kansas, a chance to have a seven and six winning season under Lance Leipold in his second year. 
would be absolutely, it already is remarkable what they did and they accomplished this year, even a chance to kind of put that cherry on top of them. But no matter what, a bowl game for them, it has been a successful season for the Kansas Jayhawks in 2022. You move on to the next game that day, Texas Tech versus Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss, I think, has done a great job. They've crushed a lot of the transfer portal stuff right now. Uh, Steve Willis covers them and kind of, you know, like to follow what he's saying about the team. But I think that's where the focus is, is roster for next year, because this is an eight and four team that was a lot better than eight and four for most of the season, right? That's not really where this team was in terms of how they were actually succeeding for a majority of the year. And then things really went sideways for them there towards the end. Um, and for, you know, it's funny, I was, I was looking at this video of the Texas Tech team doing the 12 days of Christmas. Um, and, and seeing them do this in the team hotel, you know, the Texas Tech, the, the football team posted on Twitter. And all the players, like each table, like try to see they could just be louder and they had a lot of fun with it. And like everybody was singing, none of the players thought they were like too cool for school, right? Could you imagine, and I'm this, this is not a knock with Lincoln Riley because I think he's an awesome coach, but like, could you imagine a Lincoln Riley team doing that? Maybe even like a Sonny Dykes team. Like I, I just couldn't like couldn't really imagine like a Sonny Dykes team doing that kind of stuff, right? Maybe even a, I could imagine maybe a Mike Gundy team doing that. But Joey McGuire is just a different kind of guy. And, you know, I, I said this, I tweeted this out. And I, I think it's true. Like you don't want to read too much into these, you know, random video of kids singing, but None of the players think they're too cool for it. They all want to be involved in this. It, it's the staff. It's the players. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. And I think it shows you, like, the, the culture and the program that you have to build at Texas Tech. Mike Leach wasn't like that either, and he was really successful there. But there's, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And and Joey McGuire uh, is just being pretty authentic, I think. And I think that's kind of like, you know, he feels like a very authentic guy. And... um you know, for him, it's always going to be out the, the on-field stuff is going to be about hiring coordinators and getting the right personnel in and that kind of stuff. But to me, like it, in terms of a personnel thing, like the guys are buying in. I mean, that's that's really cool to see you know, these kids buying in. They want to be a part of this, and they did a great job in recruiting. They had top thirty class, and you add in transfers as well. Joey McGuire is building something, and I don't know how I feel next year about about you know Texas Tech. I think especially if they win this bowl game, uh, the clamoring and the momentum behind this team is going to be significant. I would not be surprised if they are treated like this year's Kansas State team was in the preseason, right? A lot of people were excited about K-State. Obviously, they land the six players on the first team all Big 12 before the season begins. And I think there was a lot of buy-in there. There's a lot of uh, thought, you know, about this about that team. And it turns out being right. They went through some bumps in the road to get there. Was it how we envisioned them getting to a Big 12 championship? No, but they were, you know, they were they were a sexy pick uh, to end up in Arlington and ultimately win the thing. I think Texas Tech will be the same. They have a lot to address. They have to figure out who's playing quarterback next year as well. We don't know about that, but it feels like two pretty decent options with Baron Morton and obviously Tyler Shuck. We'll see what happens there. But a chance for them to cap off the season, a very successful season, continue that momentum, be an eight-win team, right? And once you hit eight, and once you get in that area, eight and nine, that's when you – and look, in this conference, I mean, TCU won five and shot all the way up. But, like, once you're in the eight and seven and eight zone, if you can get there consistently, because it's also a team that was seven and five last year, right? Uh, goes to a bowl, whatever they were last year. <clears throat> Excuse me, goes to the bowl and wins the, the game against Mississippi State. 
Um, once once you kind of get that range, that's when we start talking about, hey, is the good year 11 wins, 10 wins? <clears throat> Excuse me. What does that ultimately look like for you and your team? Joey McGuire is in that zone right now. <clears throat> Dying right now. But um, he's ultimately gotten them into that spot where now we can talk about it. Now we can have the conversation. Of, all right, are, are, can they start competing and contending? Can one year turn to the next? And I think the big thing for them is on the defensive side of the ball. Because, look, this year they've had to play three quarterbacks, and I thought all three played pretty well, all things considered. But for me, it's it's more about that defensive side of the ball and the consistency of the defensive side of the ball. Because <clears throat> you look at games like the, the OU game they had, uh, like you, you can't do that kind of performance often and get yourself into a Big 12 championship game. And we didn't see that a whole lot. You know, TCU and other defenses are excellent, but like we didn't see a whole lot of games where TCU is letting other teams just absolutely run it up on them. Right now, a lot of firefights. Kansas game was a bit of a firefight. Baylor game a little bit, but the Baylor the defense eventually did settle in against Baylor, right? So you're not seeing a whole lot of games played in the 40s for TCU for teams going to Big 12 championship games. And so that's something that we have to that has to be addressed. Now, look, I know it wasn't for that that wasn't them constantly this year, but like 33-30 against Houston, 37-34 against Texas Tech. They allowed 37 against Kansas State. They allowed 41 against Oklahoma State, right? 45 against Baylor. A lot of that was turnovers. Not gonna fully put that on them. 34 against TCU. You guys are getting the point here. Uh, and and that's where they're gonna have to address some things. But culture-wise, like feel-wise, right now, things obviously heading in the right direction for them. And, you know, they've already had a successful year. We're going to talk about, like, serious, serious momentum headed into the offseason. Get a win over an SEC school. Uh, and, and we'll be talking about some some pretty significant momentum for Texas Tech going into the next year. Oklahoma and, uh, and Florida State in that Cheez-It Bowl. Look, I think FSU once gets 10 wins. I think OU is trying to get out of this season and figure out what they're going to do with the roster here. Um, I, and so I think for Brent Venables, like this is one of those where if they were able to find themselves a win, get to seven and six, that's definitely a, a um, uh, you know, a kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but I don't expect that because there is a very good chance that uh, FSU is motivated to get that, that 10th win. And also at the same time, guys, like that's the better team, right? I think we all kind of agree that the better team uh, is FSU from everything that we've seen from them this season and trying to find the last time, we had an OU season that was a sub 500 year. You have to go all the way back to 1998 when John Blake was coaching the team. Five and six season. They were four and eight before that, three and eight before that. So they had some losing years in there. And that's obviously pre Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops comes in, keeps this thing rolling. But, uh, you know, Brent Venables and company want to avoid the first Oklahoma losing season since that, uh, you know, since, uh, what I said, 1998. And that is a significant motivator, in my opinion, for them as we go into this contest. Um, and also for them, like, you know, not competitive in the Big 12 championship race this year at all, right? Not not a factor. Texas was there. We'll get to them in a second. But that is the one thing as we look at OU and Texas, like these teams did not sniff competitiveness when it came – well, Oklahoma did. Texas was was involved the last month of the season, so not, not the scrim there. But Texas the previous year didn't sniff it, right? They didn't sniff a bowl game. They missed out on the bowl game. Um, so where these teams are is – positioning is interesting as we head towards the SEC. The thing is, like, the rosters for them are still significantly talented. Uh, and also when you compare the rosters, generally speaking, to the other rosters, Oklahoma's and Texas, the other Big 12 schools – 
the gap can be closing at times when you see guys like Quentin Johnston, Darius Davis, right? And, you know, Kendrick Miller out there hitting the explosive plays, but like majority of the time it's going to be developmental players, your Steve Olivas, your Max Duggins, who are the guys who, you know, your, your Hodges, uh, the guys who are making the differences, uh, you know, for these teams. And, um, you know, when it comes to like closing that gap, but they're not taking advantage of that gap at all. Uh, they really, they really aren't. And, um, you know, it, it's wide. The gap for them, like the talent gap for them is not, it's not widening is what I'm trying to say, but like, it's still there, but they're still not taking advantage of it. And this game doesn't signify they are, they aren't. I'm, I'm just kind of pointing this out. Oh, you will have one of the more talented rosters in the league next year. Um, they need to get some momentum going into the, this offseason and figure some things out, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We'll see if that's possible. Transfer portal, play some of the young guys, some of these guys improve, et cetera. Texas, the Longhorns. This is a really fun, exciting game, the Washington game. The problem is Bijan and Roshan have become effectively coaches on their way. I want to see something, though, in this game. You know, I want to see some of the younger backs get some run. And also, I will say this, like, Look, this is a game where Quinn Ewers, you know, got a lot of prep. Like, cut him loose. Let's get him. Let's get him. You know, let's let's get him some more momentum going into the off season. As we think he's the guy next year. I mentioned this in the quarterback show yesterday. This was not a situation where um, the quarterback was what really was guiding him at the end of the year. It was running the football, and they played some pretty good, especially against the run. They played some really good defense. That is what helped Texas get to eight and four. Uh, that's what helped them arrive where they were. And I think a good example of this is how well they played against TCU on defense. That was an excellent effort. Quentin Johnston gets free at the end there. Kendra Miller breaks a big run. But have you told me that TCU scores, what was it, 17 points, 14 points uh, in that game? Who wins? I would have told you it would have been the Texas Longhorns. So obviously strides are being made here. Chance for a nine-win season if you get to nine. I thought nine and three, eight and four. I actually thought nine and three was where they're going to land this year. Um, if you get me nine and three, you get me, you know, you get that range. You feel really, really good. It's a good Washington team. Once again, they won ten football games this year, ten and two Washington. But I think Texas has a good opportunity. Obviously, in the state of Texas here, they should, you know take this thing seriously. They killed it in recruiting. Keep that momentum in the month of December going. They weren't in the Big Twelve title game, but they were around the last weekend of the of the season. Um, you know, they won that game against Baylor, which meant that, hey, Kansas State had to beat KU. Um, and, and there was a chance for for uh, for Texas to make it. So momentum is there. Chance for them to build here. A, a loss hurts a little bit, but I think everything's so positive. You just want to add to that if you're if you are Texas, if you are Steve Sarkeesian, because everything looks good right now, and especially looking at the quarterback play with you know other guys gonna have to play at the running back. You want to see him succeed because it has not always been – it was not as smooth as we hoped it would be going forward this year. Let me get to Saturday, and we'll hit more on these games later on in the week. But K-State, a chance for 11 wins, uh, you know, a, a chance to obviously win a New Year's Six Bowl and and for them to, to cap off what's been a dream season for them. Um, you know, dream season actually maybe is too, too deep of a term. It's an ultimately very successful season and proof of what Chris Kleiman can build. And uh, it was listening to Tim Fitzgerald this morning from Go Power Cat talk about this. He was he was talking about this in terms of the COVID season and how bad that locker room was in the COVID year and, and the exodus they had following that season. And you think about that now, and you compare that to where they are now 
and how great this locker room is and how much Chris Kleiman depends on player-led locker rooms. And I think it's funny because when you think about the way that, um, you know, Chris Kleiman's like about the player-led locker room, I think for TCU and Sonny Dykes, they kind of let that thing organically happen. Right. Uh, I think that can go sideways at times if, you know, if you let the players lead it and some things get rocky and, uh, you know, there's not anybody there to corral them. But Sonny, Sonny Dykes is a laid back guy. Um, this player led led locker room took care of itself. And despite the odd quarterback situation and despite the call to have Martinez play the Texas game. Right. And get down that big hole and couldn't take them all the way back. And will Howard be the better guy? This team has always rallied. It showed the character time and time again. And now it seems like they've got the right guy at the mast, at the helm for them and Will Howard. And it's an exciting opportunity to play against a lot of talent, no matter whether it's going to be Will Anderson and Bryce Young for the entire game. Uh, those guys sending messages, sending a tone, they want to go out on the right note. Uh, two, I mean, two of the most talented guys that school's ever seen, right? Will Anderson and Bryce Young, um, you know, and, and those guys are playing. Exciting to see what K-State gets to do. And one last ride for Deuce Vaughn, which will be exciting. One last ride for a lot of these guys who are on their way. So that's what's exciting for Kansas State. Uh, a cherry on top for what has already been a massively successful season with them. And and look, like last year, you know, I, I'd love to see them win the game, Kansas State, because what we see last year, we saw Oklahoma State beat Notre Dame, and we saw Baylor beat Ole Miss the bowl games. Bowl games, they mean a lot? No, but like if you can still notch wins against top programs, other conferences, it ultimately does help the profile of the league. Then you get to the playoff game, and clearly we'll have some more coverage than this as the week goes along. But 4 o'clock on Saturday, we're going to get uh, TCU in Michigan. And you know, it's it's funny because TCU, it feels like it's a long time ago since Kansas State won that Big 12 championship game. Um, you know, it, it's funny how long we wait. And you basically wait a full calendar month between games. I personally don't like that. It's one of the things I'm actually looking most forward to the expanded CFP is not a month prepare because I feel like that's just pretty unnatural. Uh, even the NFL, right? The longest you'll get to prepare for a team or teams is two weeks. And um, if you have a buy, if you're one of the one seeds who has a buy, you actually don't know who it's going to be. Uh, so, you know, you have to watch tape for, for two, for two teams. And ultimately the biggest advantage you have is rest, not knowing who your opponent is, you know, who one of your two opponents is and you can scout accordingly, but still, you don't know exactly who is going to be your opponent. You can't give all of your resources and time to it. This you can. I know it's even on both sides, but like I think sometimes it makes it play out for more boring games because there's just so much time to prep and rep. Um, but TCU, right? The, the first uh, kind of new Big 12 team that's going to be in a college – well, actually, not the first new Big 12 team. The second, but first team in the Big 12 – the conference proper that's remaining that's in a college football playoff. OU has been the only representative for the league in the CFP. It's exciting now. TCU and Sonny Dykes, very deserving in what has been a you know, pretty odd, weird season, but deserving, and they're going to be the ones carrying that mast. Obviously, so much on the line because you're playing for a trip to a national championship game. So what else you know is on the line besides that? And obviously, Max Duggan and this group a chance to etch their names in history as the first Big 12 school to make a college football playoff championship game. Oklahoma did not do it. Obviously, Cincinnati, who's a new Big 12 member, did not do it uh, when they were in the AAC. TCU with that chance, and it's a difficult matchup because of how good uh, Michigan is on the offensive and defensive lines. But the good news is this, is that TCU has kind of found an anecdote, uh, an antidote 
for everybody that they've played, right? They've, they've found the ability to pull games back close. They've found a way to settle into games, no matter who the opponent has been, which makes this all of this a massively exciting endeavor uh, that we're going to have. And then to cap it all off, guys, on that Saturday, now I'll have to, I'll have to plug my guy Robbie Triano's podcast because, look, all, everything that's happening this week, being able to be dialed in to Big 12 basketball is going to be difficult on Saturday. But five full games on Saturday, Texas Tech and TCU, uh, Oklahoma State and KU, K, uh, Texas against Oklahoma, Baylor at Iowa State, and West Virginia at K-State, a full slate of Big 12 hoops to go along with the Sugar Bowl and the uh, college football playoff happening on Saturday. So with all that in mind, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Please, please, please do. It really does help the channel, does help us grow. So if you guys could do that, it would mean a lot. And also find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those places. So next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.